This is 52 Gifts, and I'm Bernadette, here to tell you about my big, little project to bring more smiles to the people in my life by sending them the perfect gifts. For birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, or mainly just because, this is where I share all the details with you so you can enjoy these 52 gifts, too. Good day, friends. Welcome to week 18 of the 52 Gifts podcast. I'm Bernadette, and I'm here to tell you about gifts that I've been giving and donations I've been making. And I'm telling you about it because you've already heard enough bad news. It's everywhere you turn. And as intriguing as true crime can be to listen to, there's only so much we can handle listening to the multitude of ways that people do bad things to one another. So consider this a palate cleanser, a chance to think about doing good things just for a little while. Maybe you'll hear about a gift and get inspired to send something similar to someone in your life. Or maybe you'll find out some info about an organization that you never really knew existed. The point is, it's all good stuff here, and I hope that you'll get to the end of every episode feeling a little bit more connected to your fellow humans than you did before. If you want to. No pressure. I started off this project with a bang, basically. It was like great gift ideas were flying at me from all angles. And a whole bunch of reasons to send gifts were starting to materialize. But after only 18 gifts given, I'm feeling a bit stressed about what's coming next. As I mentioned in a previous episode, I've noticed that the gifts have been more occasion-driven than gift-driven. So I think the key is to put myself in front of more gifts and start sending some more just-because gifts rather than waiting to see an occasion and then sending a gift in response to that. I suppose the fact that the past several weeks have been so busy with client projects and spring break and other things that that's the reason I haven't come across more opportunities for gifting. So it seems like I'm going to have to actually schedule time to go browsing around in stores and just hope that the right things jump out at me. I mean, this gift-giving stuff is tough business. But this week's gift was a really fun one because it's for really fun people, my cousin Joelle and her fiancé Bobby. I have a lot of first cousins, and I love them all dearly. There are a bunch of us older cousins, and there's a bunch of younger cousins, and then kind of the ones in between. And it's all of my younger cousins that are now getting married, and Joelle is one of them. She's nearly, I think, 20 years or something like that younger than me, but we have a pretty close-knit family. So even though I was off in college and adulting when she was a little girl, I've always felt close to all of my family members, especially my cousins, and had great times at holidays and visits. I feel like 
our family has really strong bonds and connections that you can really feel. And I mean, at least I feel that way. And I hope I'm not the only one. (laughs) I consider myself really fortunate in that way. Anyhow, I found this gift, wouldn't you know it, in the Uncommon Goods catalog. Darn it if they don't just have the best gifts. When I saw it, I thought of Joelle and Bobby right away. And so when the save the date arrived for their wedding, I had the perfect opportunity to send this little gift along. It's not a wedding or shower gift. It's just a little something that I hope they'll like and will let them know that we are excited about the wedding. We've all been anticipating the announcement, but I think they had to wait to get some professional things buttoned up before they knew what their schedule would be and when they could set the date for the wedding. So now it's finally here and we're pretty excited about that. Okay, so you'll have to visualize this or check out the image that's on this episode. But I sent them a little drawing of a standard electrical outlet with the two receptacles like you see all over your house. At the top, it says just a power couple. And under each receptacle is each of their names. And it's all in black and white except for a tiny pinkish little heart that's in between the two outlets. It is so cute and it's perfect for them because... They both have such good energy, and they make a really terrific pair. And also, they've had to do a ton of their own DIY work on the house that they've got together, and so they've been doing lots of renovations. I don't know if they're still doing that, but I know in the beginning they had to do a lot of work, and so the electric outlets and, you know, electric work kind of stuff reminded me of them. So on different levels, it reminded me of them, and I was just so glad to have an excuse to send it, because I really wanted to get that. You can get this cute little artwork framed or plain, and it comes in a large size or a small size. I went with small and unframed because It's just supposed to be a fun little gift and, you know, I didn't want to make it like a big thing. Plus, there is a chance that they won't think it's as perfect and adorable as I do. I suspect they will, but who knows? So (laughs) I went with, you know, just the small unframed version. I will link to this gift in the show notes, of course. And I'll post a photo from the Uncommon Goods website on Instagram at 52 gifts pod Um, it'll just be the sample not the actual one that i ordered so don't be confused when you see jennifer and andrew on there i don't know them i for one am super jazzed about this wedding first i've already told you that joelle and bobby are super fun and we love them but also The places where the wedding and the reception will be held are awesome, and I'm really looking forward to being back in those spaces again. 
And third, lately it feels like we've finally shaken off the COVID cloud that has been hanging over everything that's fun. Whether it's true or scientific or whatever, it just feels like people are fully over it now. Doing social things and traveling feels fun and lighthearted again instead of fun but like suspiciously threatening. It could just be me and that's fine but I'm looking forward to things in a way that I haven't for quite a while. Next up is the donation of the week. I have a couple of things to tell you about and the first is that when I made a purchase on on Common Goods, I was able to select a charity that they, the company, will donate to. So for every purchase, they'll send a dollar to a charity of my choosing or, you know, the purchaser's choosing. And then they provide three choices. So they're, it's a program called Better to Give, and they have partner organizations that they work with. And if you're a Perks member, which I am because I seem to order from them a lot and it gives you free shipping, they will donate $2 for every um, purchase that you make. So very smart. Another like almost subliminal reason to be a Perks member because then you can direct even more money to a charity. So the choices that I had were, the first one was Nest Makers United, which is an initiative that supports an inclusive makers movement by providing BIPOC entrepreneurs with market opportunities and the resources they need to thrive. The second is International Rescue Committee, which helps people whose lives and livelihoods are shattered by conflict and disaster. And Since 2016, it looks like Uncommon Goods has donated $430,000 to International Rescue Committee. And the third one, and this is the one that I chose, was American Forests, which inspires and advances the conservation of forests, which are essential to life. And since 2010, they have received $860,000 from Uncommon Goods. I figured that I tend to donate more to people-related causes, probably more than any other type of nonprofit so far during this project. And so this time I went for the nature option because I really, really value nature and conservation as well. That now brings us, though, to the official donation of the week, and that went to Amazement Square, which is a hands-on children's museum in Lynchburg, Virginia. I went to Amazement Square last week with my son's fifth grade class on a field trip. I had reasonable expectations for the trip since we've been to a number of children's museums over the years, especially when the kids were younger. It's been a while. And generally, I find them to be geared more toward the tiny tots than 
10 and 11 year olds, but still I was optimistic. I figured the teachers know what they're doing. They wouldn't have chosen a spot that wasn't age appropriate. So when we arrived and started out on our scheduled tour, I was truly blown away by this place. And here's why. It's hard to make interactive exhibits for older kids that they'll actually take time to do rather than just like blow past them and like, you know, make a mess and run through. It could be just the group of really nice kids that I was chaperoning, but they got into nearly every single exhibit and they spent time trying it out and like thinking about it. There was actually a room that the kids could go in and paint all over the walls. And even I wanted to do that. And there were exhibits about ancient Egyptians where they were able to dress up like peasants and pharaohs. And there were mummies, which I think possibly might have been (laughs) real-ish. Maybe not. (laughs) But they did. They dressed up as pharaohs and... There was a section on energy and gravity and inertia where they could play games and make pathways for like little tennis balls. No, not tennis balls. uh, Ping pong balls to travel and fall into a target. So there were a lot of activities like that that they could try and, you know, work out a system of making the thing, whatever it may be, work. And they were even able to use these, um, it was like a pulley system on a crane to lift objects. And this was a particularly popular one because they actually had to work together as a team in order to get that crane to go in the direction that they needed and to get the hook precisely into the loop on the top of whatever big object they were trying to move. I had to drag them away from that exhibit so that other kids could get a chance. (laughs) Like they were really into that. And there was a river exhibit. Um, There was like a system of tunnels that went between all four floors that they could, you know, ram around in and like have a great time climbing around. There was a science lab where they got to all participate in some experiments It was very hands-on. There was so much more. Um, One thing that I particularly loved was their affinity for bees and beekeeping. There were multiple living hives that we could observe and a bunch of exhibits that explored the products that came from bees and how nature depends on bees to keep on functioning and It's a bucket list goal of mine to learn how to raise bees and to have a couple of my own hives. So naturally, I was drawn to their bee exhibits. But, oh, and possibly the highlight of the day was a trip inside their planetarium. And this was an inflatable planetarium. I mean, I don't know. Maybe everybody out there knows that there's inflatable planetariums. I did not. (laughs) I was surprised, and it was so awesome. Like about 30 people could go in at a time, and it was like, you know, there's a fan blowing air and keeping the walls up, and so you just go inside. It's pitch black, and whatever software they have, they used it to take us on a trip to like 
visit every single planet in our solar system and get an up-close view. Um, And we even got the perspective of what it would look like if we were landing on the moon and then looking out from there. So it was really cool. That's a lot of detail, I know, and there's so much more I could tell you about Amazement Square, but I, I just really can't speak highly enough about it. It was so well done and really fun and very much worthwhile as a field trip, I thought. I was really impressed by how well their exhibits engaged the older kids. I think there were several areas for toddlers that we didn't go into. They were off limits to us, of course. Um, And they just really covered a wide range of subjects and topics and had so many different types of activities. We could have spent a much longer time there doing everything they had to offer. Really, I can't name them all here, so you should go to their website and check them out. If you're near Lynchburg, definitely visit them if you have children. It clearly says on the website, adults can't visit without a child accompanying them. (laughs) It's really strange to me that that has to be like a formal rule, but whatever. People can be weird. So if you can, go there. If not, then the next thing, the next best thing would be to visit a children's museum in your own area if you haven't been in a while. They're there as a resource and an amenity, basically, for you to use. I loved this one so much, um, so much so that I made a donation as soon as we left. I had a bit of helpful advice, and you know that I do. It would be based on my observations while I made that donation online. I had to click and scroll on four pages in order to finally find their donation page. So I went from giving, I took the giving link, which took me to ways to give, which took me to individual giving and I clicked on that one and that took me to individual donation and I clicked on that and I finally got the donation page. I would say put a donate button on the top left of the home page that takes people directly to that donation page and make sure that the donation page has some copy on it that speaks directly to your value proposition. It doesn't matter if it's explained in other areas of your website, it needs to be right there at the point of the transaction to say why that person should give to you now rather than to some other organization or at all. That's a a value proposition sentence taken directly from my friends at Next After. And if you're not familiar with them, they run thousands of experiments to see what works and what doesn't in digital fundraising. I'm going to put their info in the show notes too, because if you're at a nonprofit and you don't follow them, you're missing out on a ton of data-driven tips and hints for getting more donations. And a lot, probably most of their content 
and their reports and their experiments are available for free. So you really should um, take some time to look at what they have to offer in terms of helping you with your digital fundraising. But I digress. This is really a simple change to make. And if you need help deciding what copy to put on your donation page, just call me. It's part of what I do as a consultant. I have no doubt that Amazement Square has really skilled talent on their development team. Evidence of successful partnerships and fundraising programs could be seen throughout the museum and on their website. There was a really cool exhibit in the front lobby that was like an interactive way to display their donors' names. Um, It's really hard to describe, but maybe I'll put that picture up too so you can see what it was. But it was like an art installation almost that you could manipulate um, and it had people's names on it. it. It was really cool. So this is not a criticism. It's just a helpful outsider's perspective as a person going through that donation um, experience. And as organizations, we don't always take a step back and look at what the user or the donor experience is. We know we have great info on you know all our pages and we tell them all about our fundraising and we have you know many different opportunities for sponsorships and whatever and we know we have a donation page. Noticing what it takes to get to that page and figuring out ways to make the pathway clearer and shorter is only going to increase your results. Recently, I went to a training weekend to become a fitness instructor. And the woman who was training us said that she would watch our routines and then give us an assessment. And everybody kind of looked stricken, like, oh my God, she's going to tear us to shreds. And then she added, with all the love in my heart. (laughs) And that's how I feel about the suggestions that I make here. I'm not trying to be overly critical or make anybody feel bad. I just want you to know what can be done to improve, if you want to improve. Some people are not interested in improvement, truly. I've met them, and that's fine, but I'm still going to let you know. That'll do it for Gift 18, personalized artwork for a soon-to-be-married power couple and a donation to Amazement Square, a truly amazing children's museum. I neglected to tell you the story of the time when I was around four years old and I stuck a bobby pin into an electrical outlet. As you can imagine, that's one of my earliest and most vivid memories. And actually, that is the whole story, so there you go. I hope you come back next week to hear about the next gift and also possibly pick up more useless tidbits from my childhood. I guess this podcast is like a box of chocolates. You know the rest. See you next week. If you liked this episode, thank you for giving it a shot, and I encourage you to share it with a friend. We can all use a little more positive content in our lives, eh? Also, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or Spotify and leave a review. 
If you have questions or comments about this week's gifts, or if you have suggestions for future gift ideas or donations, I'd love to hear them. Email them to me at 52gifts at BernadetteMac.com. It's the number 52GIFTS at BernadetteMac.com. And be sure to check out the photos of each weekly gift at BernadetteMac.com forward slash 52gifts or on Instagram at 52giftspod. You can show your love for this podcast by heading on over to BernadetteMac.com forward slash 52gifts and become a supporter. And 52 Gifts is produced and hosted by Bernadette Mack. Our writer is Bernadette Mack, with research provided by Bernadette Mack. Our editor is Bernadette Mack. Social media support provided by, you guessed it, Bernadette Mack. See you next week. Thank you, ladies.